Welcome to the Inventory Professional Podcast, brought to you by Inventory Base, providers of industry-leading property inspection software, accredited training, and on-demand property reports. Join us as we discuss the latest news, legislation, and all things property, hosted by our very own inventory expert, Sean Hemming Metcalf. With regular special guests, listen in to our open and honest discussions about the role of the inventory professional and how to navigate through this ever-changing, fast-paced industry. Hi, I'm Sean from Inventory Professional. Welcome to today's podcast. I'm joined by James, Managing Director of Safe2, who is in partnership with Inventory Base, providing safety and compliance certificates. Welcome, James. Thanks ever so much for joining us. Hi, thanks for having me. Oh, it's a real, real pleasure. Um, so tell us about Safe2. Sure. So uh, Safe2 are uh, suppliers of property safety certificates. We bring um, sort of convenience, confidence and innovation to the property compliance uh, sector. Um, we have a super simple uh, online platform where landlords can go ahead uh, and they, agents, they would uh, upload the properties. Uh, they have a list of services and they can order any certificate required. That would then go over to one of our approved trades uh, within the area who would go ahead and get the job done and upload it onto the, onto the, uh, onto the portal. So it's a super easy way of ordering, tracking and, and, and keeping an eye on the expiry dates for any compliance certificates. Brilliant. And that it leads us directly into exactly why we're doing today's podcast about EICRs, because they've been in force now for a few months. I know certainly from my own point of view, as someone who runs their own inventory business, I've seen a lot of activity with clients, with properties getting um, the compliance certificates um, up and um, done, um, often to our expense because we get kind of pushed to one side. But quite rightly, the EICRs, because they've had a finite date for them, they needed to be done straight away. So have you actually been managing the logistics of this? Because certainly when um, the EICR regulations were announced, there was a, a lot of worry in the industry that, you know, there just wasn't enough time. There wasn't enough people to do it everyone was going to end up getting fined how you found it uh it's, it's been tough that that's for sure um we saw a 400 percent increase in certificates over from january to, to april um yeah over the four months it was just it was mad um the the landlords um from from last year we had a few of them in 20 uh, 2020 a lot of the landlords they went ahead sort of preempted it got it done as early as they could obviously with the new tenancies the new tenancies was the july 2020 this this year from january to to april to the the mad rush to get them all done has been has been incredible we've had to bolster our team obviously so like like i said before we we use approved trades within the area so local tradesmen that you know that we that we go ahead and make sure they're, they're good guys and we uh, we've had the bolts of them. We've we've added another five hundred um, across the country that were that were you know trying to to help us with the with the backlog for sure. Uh, there was there was you know the the twenty eight day remedials uh, you know to be done that went out the window. <laughs> there was it was just it was physically impossible to get it done. Um, you know everybody thought the government was going to uh, to relax the rules and and the, the deadlines, but but they weren't. But what they did do is give leeway to making sure they were done on time or like I said, the, the 28 day for remedials. So that, that did help, but um, yeah, it's, it's, it's been incredible actually. 
It's bit, it, it's difficult when you think about what, everything that everybody's had to go for the last 18 months and then the, the impacts of not being able to get into the property. You kind of like would have expected the government to say, OK, look, we're going to give you a little bit more leeway. We'll give you a little bit more time, maybe extend it. But equally, I can understand that, you know, well, how long is a piece of string? How long do you keep extending it? And obviously, safety is a priority. Um, so I can understand that. But then I know certainly from my own point of view and talking to other inventory-based customers and letting agents and other clerks, um, getting into the properties with everybody, having to manage different issues regards to illness, having to self-isolate, maybe because of the kind of work that they did. Yeah, it's been a huge, huge problem, even just for our own point of view, just getting into just doing the normal reports and certainly from our point of view interim inspections just kind of like stopped although we brought in the live inspections option um i can see exactly why you've had such a, a difficult time so are you finding now that um those numbers um for the amount that maybe have left outstanding are getting less and less and also have you found landlords that have actually been actively engaging in this process or is there any landlord apathy so i, I agree with you that, that the deadline had to had to be somewhere for sure so um yeah for definite the now i mean uh, while well, we were we're august they're, they're, they're pretty much all done for, from our point of view we get the odd stragglers coming in but gen, generally they're, they're all done there is still some remedial works um, I think that's a little bit of a, a misconception and, and you do have 28 days to do the remedial works, but you just have, you have to be um, shown to be dealing with it. So if we send one of our guys over to do the EICR, it's not us that necessarily has to do the remedial works. Um, you can, you know, if you find somebody a little bit cheaper or a little bit, um, you know, that you would prefer to, prefer to use, um, then you can, um, you can go ahead and get them done. So um as long as you're dealing with it you, you 28 days you know you can go ahead you can have a think about it you can uh you know get other uh, other trades there you know second quotes third quotes it's, it's all fine um but yeah for, in terms of in, in terms of getting into the property it's been um we've had to bolster our uh or change our our system a little bit because it used to we used to we had to make cancellations a little bit easier that's, that's mm -hmm. what I was doing up. So we had to make a cancellation. So, uh, you know, if a tenant phoned up that morning, you know, they, they, they've been pinged that morning. We had to, we had to, um, you know, cancel the job, obviously. Um, but everybody's become a little bit more um, understanding of it as well. Beforehand, you know, if we did get a cancellation on, 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 on the morning, the, the, you know, our trades would, would be a little bit frustrated. Everyone would be a little bit frustrated. Uh, but now everybody understands, you know, it's the right thing to do. So it's, it's you know, just a, another one just to put back in a couple of weeks. Um, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, the whole point of doing the EICI safety, and there's no point then creating a bigger issue from a health point of view just to get, get the basically the, the certificate done and, and the, the numbers on the system just so that you can prove it. It's it, like you said, you've got to be sensible about that. And we've had that quite a lot where we've had to move jobs around because either people are self-isolating or like you said, they've been subject to what they call pandemic and, and um, having no choice but to self-isolate. But again, I think the rules now where things are changing where people more or more and more people are getting vaccinated, it certainly is helping ease things. And certainly I think from the housing industry, I think we've been in a much better position in the fact that we've actually been able to continue throughout these last 18 months or so. Whereas, as we know, other kind of businesses and other trades maybe not been as lucky. Yeah, absolutely. I remember that right the first lockdown, it was all up in the air of whether we could or couldn't go in to do inspections, what would happen if a gas safety, for example, or any ICR was was to lapse the expiry date? What you know, there was a lot of uh, a lot of questions 
um, and a lot of the trades, you know, they didn't they didn't work in the first the first the first pandemic uh, uh, first lockdown. Sorry, um, but yeah, we are lucky enough that uh, even if things have to be rescheduled, even if things have to be moved, as long as everybody was safe and uh, you know wore the PPE, we could continue to work best we could. Yeah, and that, again, that's the most important thing throughout all of this, definitely. So. You're, you're pretty much up to date in regards to your customer base, but how do you think the rest of the industry is looking at the moment? Do you think that uh, we're, we're pretty much all rental properties are compliant or do you think there's still quite a lot that may be still left undone um, and not uh, certificated? And and are there kind of like, from your point of view, any key issues in regards to non-compliance? I think most of them are done. Uh, it's been pretty well, uh, you know, um, sort of advertised that they, they are required to be done. However, it's, it's August now, we, we, we've only a couple of weeks ago, I think we had, or last week, we had a, a landlord phoning up, um, wondering if we needed an EI, he needed an EICR. So, you know, it still is, it still is out there. And, you know, we're there to try and help people. Um, that's, that's the whole point of us. We, we're trying to, you know, we're on the landlord side, trying to work out, um, you know, the best, the best and easiest way to stay compliant for the, for the property. Um, I think most of them are there. There will always be some stragglers. There'll always be some, you know, that, that may or may not, you know, be, be found the rules. But generally, they are, they are all done. Like I said, as long as you, you can, even if it, if it's not been done yet due to the tenants not being able to, you know, let you in. I know there are some awkward tenants or some some worried tenants um, still, so or vulnerable. Um, if if you can't get, as long as you can document and show um that you could try to get in if you're dealing with it as a responsible landlord then then you know um the the the, the fines and the you know uh, the, the penalties are you know shouldn't exist i was going to ask you about that from from that point of view because obviously i should imagine because we're only literally a few months into this I, you know i haven't seen any evidence of fines being given or any kind of prosecutions and it's probably way too early for that if they did if, if landlords haven't complied yet or if they think that it doesn't you know it doesn't apply to them or that it you know they just they're just not going to do it what kind of fines are they looking at well, I think the maximum is up to thirty thousand uh, pounds. Um, but if you, if you read into it, it says uh, each each local authority has the right to to charge what they want up to thirty thousand pounds. So it can it can be up to depending on where you live and where, where the property is. It could it could be um, dependent on, on what it is. If you look at it from a pure financial point of view, that's more than enough incentive just to get the property up to spec, up to standard, to get that certification sorted. You know, even if you don't care about anything else. But to be fair, I think, you know, judging again from what I'm understanding of the industry and the people I've talked to, is that most landlords have understood the need for it. Um, same as anything, you don't want to be paying out more. You don't have to be having to be bogged down with more legislation, more compliance. But I think they can see the benefit. So hopefully we shouldn't really see many fines being um, um, given, but we'll just have to wait and see. I think that probably that's going to be a few more months, maybe down the line, if not maybe a bit further. Yeah, I I felt for landlords. They they have been um you know we've we've had conversations, lots of conversations with the the property is you know 20, 25 years old. Uh, they've lived in it for ten of those years, and now they're renting it out. Um, and they come with a with a big bill, um, or a quote of a new consumer unit, and and a, and a couple of the down lights need changing because they're not fire rated and they're not um, IP rated in the bathroom, and it's. I don't know, a thousand pounds, you can see them saying, well, it's been fine and there's no problems, you know, this whole 20 years, it's never had a problem with it. It's just not about, it's getting across, it's not about whether, you know, you've had a problem with it, it's the potential risk for it is, is, where, it, is where it comes from. 
So. Yeah, especially I think now I was talking to um, someone else earlier on about the fact that, you know, because of what's been going on for the last uh, year or two, more and more people are working from home. So they're spending more time in the home. So therefore, the safety and the risk element, the dynamics change because you're not out eight hours a day, you're in eight hours a day, plus all the other time that you're in the property. So it's getting used more. So the potential for risk, for damage, for um, issues, for fire, for you know safety issues come up I would say it's probably increased since you know we changed the way we're all working yeah uh, yeah absolutely the, the more you're at home the more the more risk you are at for, for definite um you know as a landlord you just have to remember you know that you know your tenant that you know to put it bluntly that their, their life is in your hands you are you know um you know if you have an unsafe electric or you know unsafe gas or unsafe anything really it is your responsibility so you know to, to i completely agree with the regs you know for, uh, for sure i mean scotland's had it for a little while i think um that you know they, they've had private private renters had had a, an eicr and a pat i think for, for quite a while now um, i was going to ask you actually about the uh, portable appliance testing side of things um so what exactly what's the rules and regs around that because it's a question that comes up all the time because especially in big areas where there's student lets so a lot of them do have a lot of um portable appliances um, either provided or they're actually bringing into the property as well so how does that all work in regards from a compliance point of view for landlords so if it's a, a student accommodation, that would imagine it would be a, a HMO. So for HMOs, the, the PAT test is required. Um, the PAT test, the portable appliance test, it, the rule of thumb is if you can pick it up and move it, then you should be tested. Uh, it, it should be tested. So, um, you know, but when it, when it comes to the private sector at the moment, it's still not a legal requirement. Um, it probably will be um, soon, um, but um if you supply appliances like a kettle or a toaster or a blender if you supply anything like that you do have a legal re uh, responsibility to make sure it is safe to use uh and the best way of doing that is with a pat test so although it's not a legal requirement you you do have a responsibility to make sure it is safe and the, the best way of doing it is with a pat so you know if the electrician is there doing the ocr anyway you might as well get him to do a pat um but uh, yeah, I, I would I would recommend at the very least a pat every every couple of years or so. It should be every every twelve months for you know you know it would be better, but at least every couple of years or so just just to make sure everything's okay. Yeah, no, I think that makes perfect sense. I mean, we've got actually um, templates on inventory base for portable, portable appliance test, testing, um, and also for visual checks of plugs and sockets because it's something that you know, we could certainly pick up from an inventory point of view because we are looking at switches and sockets. We not necessarily how the consumer units work, but certainly we could see, you know, if there's burn material, if there's scorch marks, if there's breakage to, you know, to the front plates or anything that potentially might cause an issue. Um, but we don't find, or I certainly don't see much kind of like call for it. There's not many people saying about it yet. It makes perfect sense, especially to do it as maybe part of the interim. And then that could then feed into, you know, potential remedial work going forward as a part of the property maintenance plan. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, com completely agree. If you're supplying white good, you know, some washing machines or, um, you know, like I said, toasters and things like that, you should, you should at the very least just make sure that it's not, it's not going to catch fire because <laughs> that, that's pretty much what it is. 
Exactly. Um, so one question I do have is in regards to tenants bringing their own items into the property. So the EICR is done. So the, the, the systems in the, in the property, the, you know, everything that's been um, checked and, and compliant. But the tenants then bringing in their own stuff, their own maybe appliances or their own portable appliances. Does that affect the EICR in any way? Does, because obviously that is untested. You don't, the landlord doesn't know what that stuff is going to do or whether it's safe or anything along those lines. Mm, no, it wouldn't affect the EICR. Um, the, the landlord, you know, he only has a legal responsibility for what he brings or supplies to the property for sure. Um, I mean, if the, the tenant comes with a, with a trailer full of electrics, it's not, it's not, it's not his, his fault and he can't, he can't really do anything about it. Um, so there's just, it's just a little bit of common sense. You know, the, if you send a pat tester there, he can't just rummage through the whole house trying to find anything with a plug and, and try and test it because he would be there all day. Um, but yeah, so um if it's if it's if for definite if it's uh the land the landlord if he supplies it he's responsible um if he's a good pat, uh, pat assessor which i like to think all of, all of us are um it doesn't take much uh to test something that's just lying around so if they you know if he goes there and he's in you know he's doing the wash machine and he's doing the the toaster for the landlord and he's only supplied three or four items if there's a if there's a laptop charger on the table and if there's a you know a, a lamp on the on the bedside then um, he he should just test it as well as long as, long as he doesn't rummage around it and then you know the more he tests the better really. Well, yeah, because obviously it makes sense because everyone's safe. But it's um, it's something that's always kind of comes up in conversation. But I think there's a benefit, like I said, from the interim inspection point of view to kind of like have that conversation with the landlord, you know, speak to the uh, tenant and maybe offer that as a service to the tenant to say, look, you know, we can test your items whilst we're there. Maybe a small charge, maybe no charge, depending on what the landlord wants to do. I mean, obviously, someone's got to be paid. I get that. You know, can't do it for free. Otherwise, we'd all be doing everything for free. Um, um, but maybe, you know, it could be offered as part of maybe the landlord's maintenance side of things, you know, to, to make sure that the items uh, are, are actually safe. Because certainly in student rooms, you know, you, like you said, you've got laptops, you've got uh, the charger units, you've got the phone chargers and you've got hair tongs and hair dryers and all manner of different things. And before you know it, there's a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we do. Uh, so on our subscription, so the safety rent subscription um, that we do for landlords, the, the PAT test is every year because we rate it and we just want to make sure that everything's done. So the PAT test is every 12 months for us. So is that part then of what you do in your regards to Safe2 services for the Safe2 rent side of things? So what does that include? What kind of service do you provide? So the safe uh, the safety rent um, certificate is a subscription based. It's just um, it's a monthly payment, and we'll just go ahead and get all the necessary um, uh, certificates done for the property. So the gas, the boiler service, uh, the EICR, the PAT, uh, EPC, and we'll also check the smoke alarms as well, make sure they're functioning well. Um, we'll also manage your um, maintenance at the same time as well. So you get a dedicated phone number for maintenance. Um, and we're looking to some HE cover as well. So home emergency cover for them as well. So kind of like a one-stop shop, month, one monthly payment, you get all your compliance sorted, all your maintenance sorted, and any kind of emergency cover sorted as well. Well, that makes perfect sense, especially in this day and age where you've got so many different bits of legislation you've got to conform to. To have it in one place, like one service, makes huge amounts of, of um, sense, for certainly for 
not just the court, uh, the private landlords or the single um, portfolio landlords, but also the corporate side as well. Because again, I know from just doing inventories, the whole logistics of the move-ins, the move-outs, and then all the compliance certificates that have got to be done or checked or renewed all the way through. It's, it's an absolute minefield, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's a huge logistical nightmare. Yeah, without, without a doubt. And, you know, we're all human. It's, it's so easy to let an expiry date Oh, you know, overlap. Yeah, but when was that? When was that gas safety due? I, I, I can't remember. Was it March? Was it? April? You know, so yeah, we completely get it, and that's that's the whole point of us, and that's why we're here, just to make sure, because it is so important to keep your compliance certificates up to date. Not only for for safety reasons of you for the you know for the property and for the tenants inside it, but also if there was ever a problem of it, you know any, any section twenty ones, section eight things like that, you need to make sure that you have always had your uh, your compliance. Yeah, I mean that's becoming even more prevalent now. Um, obviously, courts are now back in session. Unfortunately, evictions are now starting to happen. Um, section twenty ones, as they stand at the moment, they're still kind of being used and going through. And I know uh, property market talking about a specific housing court so you're just seeing legislation risk assessment compliance certificates evidence all the way through all of that aren't you yeah 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 it's um so um yeah it's just even more important than ever was to just make sure everything's always kept up to date always you know always renewed at the the right time so and that's just the it's important also from the uh, the actual buying side of things, because, again, that market is, is still extremely buoyant. Um, my other half's a chartered surveyor. He's extremely busy, which is great. Um, but um, obviously, you know, with rentals, we know we've got a lot of compliance. But when it comes to buying, yes, I know you can get like a, you know, your annual boiler certificate, you know, say that, you know, you've been manually, you know, been looking after your boiler system and so on and so forth. But because I think since HIPS went, and even though I know they're trying to find something to kind of replace that property MOT, property passport, something along those lines, there's still a lot of potential for risk when you're buying a property you know to find out you know is it compliant is everything safe is everything working um so is that where safe to buy comes in yeah so the safe to buy certificate um does it, it does exactly that it gives confidence in the house that you're buying so even whether you're whether you're a landlord or or, a, or just a you know a buying for your family um the safe to buy certificate will, will it checks the gas um, and it gives you an appliance condition report as well. So it won't service the boiler, but it will strip it down, make sure it's um, you know an overall condition of it. Um, an electrical condition report to the ICR for it. And it will also survey the drains. The drains are something when you're buying a house, it's, it's, we find it's a little bit overlooked. Um, nobody thinks about the drains. You know, we, we completely get that. And a lot of the time you could, they're quite hard to get into. Um, but it's one of the ones that could be the most costly if there is, you know, if it has a, you know, a sunken, you know, if there's a dipping, a dip, a dip in it, if there's roots, uh, roots growing into it, if there's uh, anything, a problem, it can be, you know, thousands, even tens of thousands to excavate and, and fix. And it's something you should know before, before you buy it for definite. But um, even if you are a landlord buying the house, you know, as, as a buy to let, you're going to need your gas and you're going to need your electric anyway. So you might as well get a safe to buy certificate because um, then you know we stand before, before you buy it. Yeah, and that's really important, I might think, at the moment, because there's so many properties that are being bought up for the buy-to-let market, but they're almost kind of being bought, sold unseen, um, especially because, you know, 
people not moving around so much, although it ha- has obviously lessened off recently. But I'm still, you know, seeing big auctions. I've just saw a, an advert for a big auction coming up shortly with SDL. Um, you know, they're, they're saying it's going to be the biggest auction ever of so many properties. And if people are bidding online, sold unseen, and all of a sudden they get to the property, it's not quite what they expected. And like you said, they've got loads of issues. This is where kind of safe to buy really comes into its own. Yeah, uh, without a doubt. You know, you need to know these sort of things. Um, you know, every, everybody would would uh, have the surveyor or, or or some you know someone to just kick the bricks, make sure the house doesn't fall down. But it's 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 inside the house, the gas, the electrics. You know, check them out. You know, make sure um make sure like you said, you know you know what you're buying, and if there's work needing doing to it, then you know you can renegotiate or you can just go in with your eyes open, knowing that's what you're going to have to do after after you buy it. You know, with with the 18th edition, you know, with the boards needing to be updated and and all, all the wiring and the, you know, like I said, the, the spotlights and, and things like that is, it's, you know, an EICR check gives you exactly like what, what condition that, that, that property is in. Yeah. And that's going to save, like you said, a lot of money going forward, or at least then allow you to plan for what you're going to have to budget to pay for going forward in regards to any maintenance and any issues. So with that in mind, words of advice for landlords and letting agents around compliance and safety, you've got any top tips for them? Uh, the top tips. Well, definitely when it comes to the ICR, you should definitely be using uh, a registered electrician. Uh, there, you know, uh, illegally, uh, uh, an electrician can do an EICR without being a, a registered electrician. But the, uh, the being registered with a governing body gives them just a little bit more confidence knowing that they've got a tick next to their name, if you like. Um, and there is different qualifications as well, just because, you know, your qualified electrician doesn't necessarily mean you're, you're qualified to do the, the, the testing side of things as well. So just something to look to look out on um, insurance as well, things like that. You know, if using a safe to and using a safe to engineer, we've you know, we've checked all these things for you. All our guys are qualified, are registered, do have insurance and have been testing for at least a couple of years or so. Um, so, you know, they, they, they give a little bit of a, you know, a bit more of, um, confidence when it, but, um, they, you know, just make, make sure you know who's going into the house would be the, the biggest top, uh, the tip really. I think that's really good advice. And that's something that, you know, I'm kind of like saying from our side of things on the uh, infantry clerk side, you know, that um, we don't necessarily have enough of those kind of like checks to make sure who anybody can set up a business. Everybody can walk in and say, I'm an infantry clerk and, you know, t- I'll take the keys and off they go with your million pound property. And you just, you kind of, like, you hope you get it back. Um, yeah. So it makes sense, like you said, to have those checks, to have those tradespeople who are, um, like I said, insured, vetted, compliant, they're there to do the job that they, you know they're going to do and that they're going to uh, make sure that that uh, EICR that safety certificate is going to be usable and bona fide going forward otherwise it's huge waste of money and potential like you said up to £30,000 worth of fines if it all goes a bit peak tong as it were. Mm. I suppose another tip would be just to uh, keep an eye on the expiry date of, um, of the EICR so you know the rule of thumb is it's five years which is, which is fine but if an electrician was to deem it a little bit um, so it's, it's satisfactory. It's not unsafe. However, it's a little bit old, for example, the wiring is a little bit old and would um, rather be checked every three years. So you might give a three year expiry date on it. So it's just something to, to just to you know, keep an eye on. But you're, and that's a really good um, good tip there because, again, like you, like you were saying earlier on, a lot of people kind of forget about renewal dates. It's like, it's done. I've got five years. I can forget about it. And it's not quite the case. And like you said, especially they do any remedial work as well. I could imagine then that if maybe once that work's done, would that uh, EICR renewal date maybe then change again? 
So generally they do a, um, if there is remedial works, if it is the electrician that, that does it, will, it will be from the original date. So he'll just amend the original um, EICR. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, the, the most electricians, if they're registered with like NAPIT or NOC, I think they have their own uh, software where they, they put in the, the results and it actually generates a date for them. So it's not their opinion. Sometimes it is. Uh, but a lot of electricians, they'll just stick it in and it will go, yeah, um, because of uh, the observations you have made, we would recommend it being checked in three years time. So it's just, just something to just, just keep an eye out for. Um, no, so I think it's a really good tip. And again, that's something Safe2 can do for the client, for the landlord, for the agent. You can remind them of that renewal day and make sure that they remain compliant and they don't fall short of that. Because is there much leeway in regards to the renewal date? So is, is it got to be done before the renewal day, on the renewal day, or just not so beyond it? Quite an interesting one, I see. So the EICR, yeah, as long as it's done around the, the expiry date, it's fine. When it comes to gas, it's quite interesting. I think something that slipped through the net is the, um, you, the, the fact that you can get it done two months before the expiry date. Um, so if, it's, you know, if it expires on 1st of March, you can legally get your um, uh, gas safe done on the 1st of January and it keep the expiry date of 1st of March the following year. So you would actually have that uh, certificate for 14 months, not 12 months. Um, it's something that slips through the net. Most landlords don't understand it. Most letting agents, some letting agents do, some letting agents don't. Um, and even some gas engineers have arguments with gas engineers telling me that they can't do it. So it's something that I feel like it slipped through the net. And it should, you know, if people knew it, you know, the gas safe has done it because everybody would wait until the last day. And rightly so, they would, the landlords would wait until the day before it ran out or the day of it so they could get as much of their money's worth as possible, you know, the expiry date. However, then, the, then something would happen, as it always does. You know, the gas engineer wouldn't be able to make it or the tenant would fall ill. Suddenly, you've got a gas safe certificate that's, that's, um, that's out of date. But if you, if you book it two months in advance or at least a few good few weeks in advance, you know, you can keep your expiry date. And if there is a problem, you've still got time to redo it. No, I think that's a great tip. And also that impacts on, you know, when tenants are leaving um, the property and new ones are coming in because they need to be issued those up-to-date certificates in order to actually take that tenancy forward. And if you don't, then they could potentially fall foul and then we're into courts, proceedings, risks, fines and so on and so forth. And that's not what anybody wants, especially now, because like I said, there's enough legislation going on. I think, you know, if we can stick to the rules quite mm -hmm. rigidly, then we're all covered, aren't we? Yeah, absolutely. But it's something I'm quite, I'm quite uh, passionate about trying to get, trying to get out there. The fact that guys, you know, order your gas safety certificate two months beforehand. Just tell us the expiry date of what it's going to be, and then and then we'll go ahead and get it done and, and keep that expiry date because it, it just it saves everybody. It saves the the, the hassle of you know uh, a missed appointment and it expiring, but also it saves a conversation. You know, I my my gas safety runs out in two days. Can you can you get it done? You know, if you, if you told me a few weeks ago, it would have been a bit easier. So. Yeah, exactly. And the thing is, we've all got a plan, you know, every kind of business, no matter what we do, everybody needs to plan when these works are coming up, especially during busy periods, um, especially like now when I said we've got shooting season, a lot of in moves in, move, in, move ins and move outs, um, you know, trying to then shoehorn these certificates in and all the other compliance um, side of things, it just becomes an absolute logistical nightmare. And like you said, something can then fall foul, drop off the edge, people don't see it, and then all of a sudden you've got a great big fine, and realistically you've got no recourse because, yeah, it's a simple as like you just said book it two months in advance give you a renewal date and then it, then the system will take care of the rest
Yeah, absolutely. That, and I suppose the, the, the you know the, the beauty of using Safe2 in the portal is not only can you keep track of the expiry date, like I've said, but you can do it with lots and lots of other tools. But Safe2 is pretty much the only platform that you you know you get notified of the expiry date and order it at the same time. Same and you get that via email, do you? Do you get like a notification? You get a notification. So you get a notification in your account anyway, but you also get an email notification saying, "Hey, just a heads up, you know, your gas safety is due to expire. Um, you know, do you want to go ahead and get it ordered?" And there's a link in there. Just press the link and it's ordered. It's as simple as that. There's no payment up front at the moment. Everything's just completed, and then uh, once it's uploaded, you just get an invoice to pay. It's it couldn't be simpler. So when you think about it, there's really no reason not to get it done. That's, that's what I think. Yep. Excellent. Well, I think that's a great um, uh, point to end on, James. Thank you so much uh, for joining us today and explaining about EICRs and also about how making sure that everybody remains compliant because at the end of the day, it's all about safety. Yes, it will help you um, mitigate any potential costs and fines, but at the end of the day, it's safety. That's the paramount uh, reason for doing this. Lovely. Thanks, James. Thanks ever so much. Thanks, everybody, for joining us at today at Inventory Professional Podcast. And we look forward to um, speaking to you again soon. Thank you. Thanks for joining us this week on the Inventory Professional Podcast. If you've enjoyed the show, subscribe to our podcast now and share the love. This podcast was brought to you by Inventory Base, providers of industry-leading property inspection software, accredited training, and on-demand property reports.